you have your Bible with you, go ahead and get it out and go over into the Gospel of Luke with me this morning. Make your way to Luke, the 8th chapter. Luke, the 8th chapter in your New Testament, in a world right now that is full of chaos and turmoil and so many problems. It is a blessing. It is a blessing to be together. It is a blessing to be together in this free country to open up our Bibles, to study, to sing, to take the Lord's Supper, to encourage each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, as we think about the Bible and this part of our worship to God, we're in Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start reading with verse number 26. In verse 26 of Luke chapter 8, this should be hopefully familiar territory for you. Hopefully, hopefully these are familiar verses. In our Bible reading last week, we read these verses several times. And it says, Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he came out onto the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons and who had not put on any clothing for a long time and was not living in a house but in the tombs. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for he had seized him many times. And he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard, and yet he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered in him, entered into him. They were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain, and the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away and reported it in the city and out in the country. The people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well, and all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked him to leave them, for they were gripped with great fear, and he got into a boat and returned, but the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him, but he sent him away saying, return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. You know, sometimes, sometimes I get up in the morning and there it is. There it is in my kitchen. There it is in my living room, or in one of my bathrooms, or in a hallway, or my backyard, or even in one of my cars. Do you know what I'm talking about this morning? For the parents in the room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The mommies and daddies know what I'm talking about. The mommies and daddies know that I'm talking about messes. I'm talking about messes from our kids. I'm talking about junk. 
that is left in various places around the house from these little people that we brought into this world and we take care of every single day. I'm talking about clothes. And I'm talking about juice boxes and costumes and Barbies and Spider-Man and Ant-Man and Batman and Nerf guns and Legos and pillows and blankets. As parents, we all know what it is like to walk into a mess. But let me tell you something. The messes that we may walk into every single day are nothing compared to the mess that Jesus walked into on this occasion. You see, on this occasion, in Luke, the eighth chapter, we find Jesus walking into a big mess. We find him walking into a mess that had been created by the devil. We find him walking into a mess that involved a man who has some demons inside of him. He has some wicked spiritual beings possessing his body. Now, this encounter between Jesus and this man actually doesn't begin in verse number 26 like we just read, but it actually begins in verse number 22. If you recall in your Bible reading last week, in verse number 22, we find Jesus taking a boat ride with his apostles from the city of Capernaum across the Sea of Galilee to the eastern shore. They are traveling across the Sea of Galilee to the country of the Gerasenes. They go from Capernaum to, to the country of the Gerasenes. The country of the Gerasenes was actually considered to be Gentile territory at this particular time. Now, usually a small or short boat ride like this wouldn't really be a big deal. It certainly wouldn't be a big deal for experienced fishermen like the apostles, only this particular boat ride was a little bit different. During this particular boat ride, the Bible says a storm actually popped up onto the sea that was so bad and so boisterous that the apostles thought they were going to die. They thought they were going to perish right there in the middle of the sea. But after the Lord rebuked them for their lack of faith by just saying a few words, well, then the storm ceased. The storm stopped. Everything on the Sea of Galilee became perfectly calm. This is actually the first of four miracles recorded by Luke in this particular chapter. In the verses 22 through 25, we find Jesus exercising miraculous or supernatural power over storms and, and natural disasters. In verses 26 through verse 39, we find him exercising power over the demons or the evil spiritual workers of Satan. In verses 40 through 48, we find him exercising power over sickness and disease as he heals a woman who had a hemorrhage of some kind for about 12 years. And then in verses 49 through 56, we find Jesus exercising power even over death as he raises a 12-year-old girl from the dead. As you read this chapter this past week, I hope you were able to see that throughout this chapter, Jesus demonstrates supernatural power over so many different kinds of things. But it is the second demonstration of power that we want to spend a few minutes talking about this morning. Going back to Luke's account here 
In Luke chapter 8, I want you to notice how according to verse number 27, once Jesus arrived in the country of the Gerasenes, a man comes out to meet him. A man comes out to meet Jesus. Now, this man is a victim. He is a victim of the devil's mess. The devil has made a mess of his life. The devil has taken away his ability to make good and rational decisions. Workers of Satan, workers of the devil have infiltrated his body. They have possessed his body. There are demons inside of this man. In fact, going back to where our scripture reading came from this morning, Matthew 8. Remember, Matthew tells us something interesting. Matthew actually tells us that there were two demon-possessed men who came out to meet Jesus on this occasion. Now, Luke only tells us about the one man, but Matthew tells us that there were two of these guys. Now, here's a good question to think about. Why is that the case? Why does Matthew tell us about two guys who were demon-possessed, but Luke only tells us about the one guy? I submit that as we continue in our study this morning, we're going to see exactly why Luke singles out this one particular guy. In fact, going back to Luke's account, notice how Luke describes this demon-possessed man who goes out to meet Jesus. First, notice how Luke describes this man as naked. This man is naked. He is totally exposed. In fact, the scripture makes it clear that he had been exposed for quite some time. He hadn't worn any clothes for a long period of time. This is a naked man who goes out to meet Jesus, but not only is he naked, the scripture also says that he's isolated. He's also isolated. He's also in a situation where people are afraid of him and they have cast him out of their society. Instead of living among the normal people of that society, the scripture says this man is living among the tombs. This man is living in the cemetery. You and I both know what you find in the cemetery, right? You find dead people. There are dead people in the cemetery. This man is living among the dead. He is living among the tombs. He is isolated and he's also violent. He's also dangerous. He's also a threat to himself and other people. In Mark's parallel account of this in Mark chapter 5 and verse number 5, Mark tells us that the demons inside this man were causing him to hurt himself. They were causing him to do damage to his body. They were causing him to, to gash himself with stones. This man is isolated and he is violent. He's a threat to himself and other people. And Mark also tells us that he is screaming. This man is screaming night and day. Imagine how exhausting that must have been. For those of you who've ever been to a concert before, you know that screaming to the top of your lungs for two hours can be very exhausting. Imagine how exhausted this man must have been to be screaming to the top of his lungs night and day. This man is screaming all night long and he has been shackled. He has been 
bound by the people. He is so violent that the people in that community tried to bind him with chains, but the chains can hold him. The chains cannot contain this man. This man was such a threat to himself and other people. He was so strong because of the demons inside of him that he was actually able to break the chains. He was able to break loose from the entrapment that the people had put him in. In fact, maybe the reason he was able to do that is because, like I just said, he's got demons in him. He's got demons inside of his body. I think we need to emphasize that word, demons. You know, at this time, having one demon in you was bad enough, right? But imagine having multiple demons in you. Having multiple demons inside of you, that, that, that's a whole nother level. In fact, in verse number 30, when Jesus asked this man, what is your name? He said his name was what? It's Legion. He said, my name is Legion. The word Legion is a military term. At this time, a Roman Legion consisted of about 6,000 soldiers. The demons inside this man seemed to be using this term not in a literal sense, but to emphasize that there are a lot of them inside of this man. This man has a lot of demons in him. He may have hundreds or even thousands of demons inside of his body. And let me just ask you, what would you have done if you had came across this man? What would you have done if you found yourself in a situation with a man like this and he is not in a straight jacket? What would you have done if you went with Jesus to the country of the Gerasenes and as soon as you got out of the boat, you were met by a man that nobody else in that region wanted to be around? You, you were met by a man who is naked. And he is violent and he's shouting and he's screaming and he's living among the dead and he seems to have some supernatural strength. He, he seems to have some strength that you had never seen a man have before in your life. And he's got wicked spiritual beings inside of him. He's got demons inside of him. He's got legion inside of him. What would you have done if you had come across a man like that? I'm going to tell you what I would have done if I was Peter or James or John or Thomas. If I was one of the apostles on this occasion, I would have said to Jesus, we need to get out of here. This is probably not a good idea. I think we made a mistake. We need to get back into the boat and go back to Capernaum. We need to get out of here with the quickness. That's what I would have said if I came across this man on this occasion. But notice, that's not what Jesus said. That's not what Jesus did instead of running back to the boat. And away from this man, Jesus went to greet him. Jesus spoke to the demons inside of this man. Jesus acknowledged that this man wasn't merely mentally ill, but he has some real spiritual beings inside of him. In fact, I believe that there are many things that we can learn about these spirit beings or these demons 
who were inside this man by just observing some things that take place between them and their conversation with Jesus. For example, one of the things we learn about the demons here in this text is we learn that the demons, well, the demons know Jesus, don't they? They know Jesus. They know the truth about his identity. What did they call him? They called him not just the son of God, but they called him the son of the most high God. Notice how they acknowledge something that not even most of the scribes and the Pharisees were willing to acknowledge during this time. The demons knew about the identity of Jesus, and they also knew about Jesus' power. They also knew that Jesus had more power than them. They knew that as the son of the most high God, he could punish them. He could cast them out. He could command them to go away into the abyss. These demons knew about Jesus' identity. They knew about his power, and they also knew that they had a limited amount of time to torment and possess men's bodies. They also knew that they had a limited amount of time to keep doing the evil work that they were doing. In Matthew's account of this, in Matthew chapter 8 and verse number 29, after these demons encountered Jesus, they cried out saying, what business do you have with us, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? I want you to pay close attention to the language. Have you come here to torment us before the time? That language is critical. That language is absolutely critical. That language shows us that the demon possession we find taking place in the time of Jesus and the apostles was limited. It was limited to their time. It was limited to the time of the first century. It was limited to the time when people like Jesus and his apostles had the miraculous ability to cast them out. It was not intended to be something that lasted forever. It was not intended to be something that went on in the 19th century or in the 20th century. Once the period of miracles ceased after the Bible was fully revealed, well, so would their work. So would their ability to possess men's bodies and Christians' ability to cast them out of people. In fact, Jesus. Jesus cast these demons out of this man on this occasion. This man here, he experienced the power of Jesus. He, he experienced Jesus' power over Satan. He experienced Jesus doing something for him that nobody else in that country could do. Jesus cleaned up this mess that had been created by the devil. And I want us to appreciate Four things that Jesus does with this mess. I want you to notice four things that Jesus does with the, the mess that the devil had created in this man's life. And the first thing Jesus does to this mess is he shows compassion for it. He shows care and concern for this mess. While this man had been cast out of his society... Because people rightly viewed him as dangerous, why everybody's running from this man, why everybody's hiding from this man and trying to do everything they can to just stay away from this guy. Jesus gives him something 
that he probably hadn't had in a very long time. And that's some kindness. That's some grace. That's some compassion, sympathy, and personal attention. Jesus gave this man some personal attention. In fact, remember when Jesus first met this man, he does something kind of rare. He does something that we really don't find him doing often in the gospel, and that is he asked this man what his name was. He asked him in verse 30, what is your name? We don't find Jesus doing that often in the gospel. We don't find him doing that with the blind man that he healed in John chapter 9. We don't find him doing that with the 10 lepers that he healed in Luke chapter 17. We don't find him doing that with that woman who had that hemorrhage for 12 years and he healed her when she touched his garment. We don't find him doing that with the thief on the cross that we talked about this morning. Jesus doesn't ask people their names often in the Bible, but he does here. He asked this man, what is your name? He shows him some special attention. And some special compassion where everybody else is running from this man. Jesus goes out to meet him. Where everybody else is avoiding him. Jesus talks to him where everybody else is giving up on him. Jesus gives him a second chance at a normal life. He heals him. He blesses him. He even ready for this probably gave the man some clothes. Think about it. Where else would this man have gotten some clothes from? Go back to the text, Luke chapter 8 and verse number 35. In verse 35, the Bible says that after Jesus healed this man, the people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed. He's clothed in his right mind and they became frightened. Now, wait a minute. Just earlier in verse number 27 of this text, this man was naked. He didn't have any clothes on. He hadn't been dressed in a very long time, and now he's got some clothes. Where did he get his clothes from? Do you think that after being naked among the tombs for a long period of time, he just happened to have an extra pair of clothes on him? He just happened to have an extra robe on him? Or maybe he had some skinny jeans and a white T-shirt. Maybe he just had that on him by, 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 by chance, right? Maybe he dug up a dead person and he took some clothes off of them. Maybe that's where this man got his clothes from. I doubt it. I doubt it. Remember, the only people out here with this man during this time is this other demon-possessed man who is naked and Jesus. Jesus and his apostles are the only ones out there. And what likely took place is they clothed him. Jesus clothed him. Jesus showed this man some compassion and some grace. He cared about the mess in this man's life. And let me tell you something. He cares about the mess that you may have in your life today. He cares about your mess. He cares about my mess. He cares about all of our messes. He cares about the messes that we may have in our marriages right now. 
He cares about the messes that we may have with our kids. He cares about those prodigal children that we have right now, those prodigal children that we may have who have left him and they need to come back to the Lord. He cares about the messes we may have with our brethren. He cares about the messes we may have with our finances. He cares about the messes we may have with addictions, the porn addictions, the drinking addictions, the gambling addictions, the drug addictions. Jesus, Jesus cares about the messes. He cares about the messes that we may have in our lives. In fact, not only does he care about the messes, but he's also willing to go out of his way to help with the messes, to help clean up the messes. I think we see that when we go back to the text and notice what happened with these pigs. Let's talk a little bit about these pigs. Think about how in verse number 32, the text tells us that when cleaning up, the devil's mess in this man's life, Jesus transferred these demons into a herd of pigs that were feeding near a mountain. Mark tells us in his account that there were about 2,000 of these pigs. Brothers and sisters, that's a lot of money. We're talking about a lot of money here. In fact, some scholars estimate that these pigs, especially if they have been black market pigs, because you're not supposed to have pigs in this part of, of the world here, if these have been black market pigs, they could have been millions and millions and millions of dollars in our money today. This is a really big deal. In fact, it is such a big deal that when the people show up and see what happened to the pigs, they tell Jesus, you gotta get out of here. You need to leave and you need to live, leave fast. These people are angry with Jesus. They're hostile towards him. But that is just how much he was willing to go out of his way to help this man. You see, Jesus was so willing to help clean up the mess in this man's life that he was willing to sink pigs that may have been worth millions and millions of dollars. He was willing to get a bunch of people mad at him. He was willing to mess up his reputation in a region where he had come to preach the gospel to these people. Jesus cared about this one man so much that he was willing to mess up his reputation in this part of Israel. That's how much he was willing to help clean up this mess. And let me tell you something, that's how much He's willing to clean, how much he's willing to go to clean up our messes. You see, when the devil begins to terrorize us in our lives, we need to understand that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is willing to still go out of his way to help us. No cost is too great for Jesus. He was willing to kill a bunch of expensive pigs, and he also was willing to be killed on a cross. We're going in our Bibles to Mark the 10th chapter. And Mark the 10th chapter, when trying to help his apostles understand the need to be servants first and not, a, not be in competition with each other. 
Not try, not try to lord over one another and seek position in the kingdom of God. In Mark chapter 10 and verse number 43, Jesus told his disciples, But it is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Notice how Jesus here tells us exactly why he came into this world. Notice how the reason why Jesus came into this world it wasn't to eliminate wars and rumors of wars it wasn't to make peace between Russia and the Ukraine it wasn't to eliminate physical suffering or to make it so we wouldn't have any trials and tribulations in this life no Jesus said that the reason why he left the glories of heaven to come into this world and die on a cross was to clean up the greatest mess that the devil has ever created in our lives, and that's the sin mess. That's the hell mess. That is the barrier between us and God mess. Jesus sacrificed a lot to help clean up the mess that was found in that man's life in Luke chapter 8, and he's also sacrificed even more to clean up the greatest mess in our lives today which is the mess of sin. In Luke chapter 8, we find a Jesus who cares and a Jesus who helps. But you know what else we see? We also see a Jesus who speaks. A Jesus who speaks. Going back to Luke chapter 8, how did Jesus clean up this mess that the devil had made in this man's life? I mean, did he grab this guy and, and shake him up, shake him up real good? Did he set up a table and maybe perform some kind of surgery on this guy? Did he do something that required Luke to tell us 10 or tell us in 10 or 15 verses? No, Jesus didn't, didn't do anything exotic or elaborate like that. All he did was well, he just spoke. He, he just said the word. Matthew or Luke says in his account that he commanded the demons to come out of this man. And Matthew says in his account that he just said, go. Go as in go out of this guy. Go as in leave this man's body. Go, go over there to those pigs. That's what he told those demons to do. And guess what happened? They did that. Jesus cleaned up this mess by just saying the word. And doesn't that remind you of something else? In Luke chapter 8, did not Jesus in just a few verses earlier just say something and the storm went away? It's the same thing. And from that, we learn something important, don't we? From that, we learn that there's power found in the words of Jesus. We see that Jesus' words are extremely powerful. In fact, they are so powerful that they're able to clean up the devil's messes in our lives, even though, and I want to emphasize this, even though I know that we don't live in a time when miraculous gifts are being exercised by Christians, even though we don't live in that time, I get it. Jesus' words still can clean up messes. They can still clean up messes in our marriages. They can still clean up messes in the relationships we have with our kids. They can still clean up messes in a local church. They can still clean up messes with addictions and with messed up priorities. They can especially still clean up messes 
that result from the spiritual consequences of sin. Jesus' words are just as powerful today as they were 2,000 years ago, but the only way we're going we're gonna to let them have any impact in our lives is for us today, we're going to have to study them. We're going to have to read them. We're going to have to know them. We're going to have to trust them. Most importantly, we're going to have to apply them. We're going to have to do them. And so, my friends, if your life is a mess right now, if you got a mess in your life right now, if you got a mess with your spouse, if you're in a mess with your kids, if you're in a mess with a brother and sister in this church, if you have a mess when it comes to addictions, whatever mess you may have in your life right now, what you need to do is you need to go home today. You need to read the words of Jesus, get your minds in the words of Jesus, trust the words of Jesus, and then do the words of Jesus. You need to understand that Jesus' words have the power to clean up that mess in your life today. But you got to get into the Bible and get access to that power. That's what you got to do. Here we see a Jesus who cares. And a Jesus who helps and a Jesus who speaks. But then finally, let's close with this. Here in Luke 8, we also see a Jesus who changes. He changes people. I'm going back to Luke chapter 8 one more time. And, and in verse 36, and in verse 36, after Jesus had healed this man, the Bible says those who had seen it reported, reported to them how the man who was demon possessed had been made, he had been made well. Notice that language, he had been made well. That language been made well there means that this guy had been completely restored. He was normal now. The previous verse says he was in his right mind. The devil's mess here had been totally cleaned up. This man had been, had been changed physically, but more importantly than that, he was also changed. He had also been changed spiritually. Spiritually. Remember, we made a point earlier how unlike Matthew in his account, Luke doesn't focus on the second man who also had demons cast out of him on this occasion. Instead, Luke just focuses on this one man. He doesn't focus on the other guy. He only focuses on this one guy. And I believe there is a reason for that. The reason why I believe Luke focuses on this guy and not the other guy is because after this guy experienced healing from Jesus, he was converted. He became a disciple. He became a follower of Jesus. In fact, he begged Jesus to let him go back with him to Galilee. In verse number 39, after begging Jesus to let him go back with him across the Sea of Galilee, Jesus said, return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Notice how after experiencing the power of Jesus, the Bible says this man, he went and did evangelism. He went out and he started spreading the word. He started spreading the good news about Jesus Christ. In fact, and just a couple of chapters later, after Mark's account of this, in Mark chapter 8, 
You know what we find Jesus doing in Mark chapter 8? We find Jesus going back to the same place again, only the next time he goes back, the people don't kick him out. The people are not hostile towards him. They're not angry with him. They don't say to him, well, wait a minute, we remember you. Get out of here. Didn't we tell you to leave? You cost us millions and millions of dollars. The people don't have that kind of attitude towards Jesus when he comes back in about a year or so. Instead, when he goes back, thousands of people are following him there. Thousands of people are listening to him. They are with him. In fact, they are with him so long that he has to miraculously multiply fish and bread to feed all those people. Now, here's my question. How do we get to that? How do we get from Luke 5 to Mark chapter 8? How do we get to this place where these people are kicking Jesus out of here and they're telling him, we don't want you here, but then a year or so later, they're begging him to stay and they're following him all over the place and believing in him. Can I suggest that it may, it may have been because of this guy. It may have been because of this guy changed by Jesus. This guy may have been preparing people to later receive Jesus through his preaching. And if that is the case, we learn here that Jesus is so powerful and he's so amazing that he can turn people who have the biggest messes into the best messengers. He can turn messes into messengers. He did that with this guy. He did that with Mary Magdalene. He did that with the Apostle Paul. And I hope and pray he's doing that with you. I hope and pray that in addition to changing your habits and your thinking and your priorities and even your spiritual status before God, when you gave your life to Jesus, you went from a mess to a messenger. Now, I know, I know there's a lot more we could say about this story. I know there's probably going to be some folks who stop me and say, well, what about this? And what about that? And you should have said this. I, I know that. But look, we got to go eat at some point. OK, and I want Mexican today. So we, 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 we can't stay here much longer. For now, I just want to take home that Satan made a mess in this man's life. And Jesus took care of this mess. He took care of this mess completely. The question is, what's your mess? What mess do you have in your life right now? Do you have the greatest mess that you could ever have? And that's the mess of sin. If so, then right here and right now, Jesus can clean that mess up. If you obey his words in Mark 16 and verse 16 and believe in him and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, he will take that sin mess away and you can leave here spiritually whole, spiritually well. You can experience his power like that man did in Luke chapter 8. If we can help you with that in any way at all, come to the front right now. Let's stand. Let's sing.